Hello, everyone. I want to tell you about some news that is coming up in the new year. I am launching a new online community and it is not on Facebook. Hooray! And the people rejoiced. (laughs) But I am creating a new online community, the Meredith Atwood Coaching and Community Group. It is free to join. And within that community, you will find free love and support, as well as options for individual and group coaching to really help you move through your new year. So last year, I released my book, The Year of No Nonsense, and then 2020 happened, the year of all the nonsense. (laughs) So we're just going to pretend that this is the year for the year of no nonsense. And I am going about that mission and allowing myself to be more open and free with coaching and community because I really miss that. I had some very strong, strong communities um, a couple years ago, and it just got away from me for a lot of reasons. And I'm ready to re-engage. So this is as much for me as it is for you. <laughs> but stay tuned for that. If you want to go to swimbikemom.com and sign up for the updates for email on the bottom, just scroll to the bottom and pop in your email. I really don't email that often, so I won't be like one of those annoying people. Um, but that will let you know when I launch. And I look forward to seeing you all in the community. So today's guest on the podcast is Cara Lowenthal, and she is a master certified life coach. She has a BA from Yale and a Juris Doctor from Harvard. That is a law degree. So we are both recovering attorneys and we talk about that. But in the last four years, after she pivoted out of her legal career, Cara has grown her life coaching business to seven figures. She's the host of the, t- the iTunes top-rated podcast, Unfuck Your Brain, which has been downloaded 12 million times. So that should have been a warning that this has explicit language, <laughs> this podcast. So she has been featured in outlets like Marie Claire, Mind Body Green, MSN.com, and the Huffington Post. Cara lives in New York City, and you can learn more about her at unfuckyourbrain.com. So... I hope you all enjoyed this episode with Kara Lowenthal. Hi, and welcome to the same 24 hours podcast. I'm Meredith Atwood, author of the book, The Year of No Nonsense. I'm a former attorney turned writer, speaker, and Ironman triathlete. Although right now, all I really like to do is lift weights. We all have the same 24 hours, but it's what we do in those hours that leads to our greatest health, happiness, and success. It's my goal to crack the code on a life of less nonsense so we can all make the most of our 24 hours. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Same 24 Hours podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Atwood. Very excited about our guest today. Cara Lowenthal is here. How are you, my friend? I'm well. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining. So we were talking offline how we were both recovering attorneys and Cara said she, (laughs) did you say, I don't know if I'm recovered? No, I think I'm mostly (laughs) recovered by now, but I've been out for a while. That's right. That's right. So what do two very smart, intelligent, beautiful women do when they leave the practice of law? (laughs) They like help other people find their joy and (laughs) their spirit, right? So a cornerstone of your work is helping women um, feel great about themselves and to feel great about themselves 
outside of the external world and what people say we should do and how we should look and how we should feel. So how did you come to this place where you wanted to help women do that? How did you come to that place within yourself? Um, I mean, I think that I've always been, I was always sort of interested in trying to figure out, like a lot of us, I think I came to self-development, self-help work to try to like fix myself. And then of course you have to discover that like, you, there's nothing wrong with you in the first place that fixing right. yourself is not really a thing. Um, because we have it sort of backwards where we think I just need to like improve myself in all these different ways. And then I'll finally love myself. And then I'll finally accept myself. I'll finally be good enough. I'll finally feel confident. And what I sort of discovered from doing so much yoga and meditation and therapy and coaching and like all the things was that it just really didn't work that way because when you teach your brain to disapprove of and criticize yourself, it's just, you're just learning a habit. It's like learning to write with your right hand. You can't just all of a sudden one day be like, okay, well now I'm picking up with my left hand. I expect to be able to write perfectly. Like you can't criticize and shame yourself consistently. And then think that if you just, whatever it is, stop yelling at your kids or lose 20 pounds or get a different job or like whatever thing you change, that magically you're gonna suddenly accept yourself and love yourself and be confident. And so I think to me, that was the missing piece was understanding that thought patterns are like habits that we create and that our thoughts are what are driving our feelings and our actions. And so when I learned that from my teachers, Brooke Castillo, the life coach school, it just kind of clicked and it felt like this was the, like the secret to life that I was missing. And this was, um, this was like information that everybody should be learning in first grade. And for some reason we're not. And so right. <laughs> I just was like, I was just sort of like, wait a minute, did all the rest of you know this? And like, why didn't anyone tell me? And so I really wanted to share it with other people. And that's how I ended up where I am. You have such a good point. It's like, it should be, it should be an elementary school along with, um, compounding interest. Yes. There you go. Two (laughs) things we don't learn. Why are fifth graders not taught that if they save $11 a month between now and the time that they're 40, they'll have a million dollars. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's life-changing information. (laughs) Totally. Instead they're like, let's learn trigonometry, which unless you're in engineering, you will never use. And let's go to law school. Yeah. (laughs) All these things. Right. Um, tell me what you, what your opinion is about fake it till you make it. Because like, if you're, if you have this habit of saying that you're, um, not so great all the time internally and you feel like a bag of shit or you're just like, I'm stupid. Like how, how do you turn it around? I mean, you're saying we got to fix our thought patterns, but how do you turn it around? And how much of that is connected to faking it till you make it? I mean, isn't that That's the advice everyone gives, but I think like, let's say we're talking about orgasms. Can you just like fake an orgasm enough times and all of a sudden you have a real one? That's not how it works. If you fake it, all you get is more faking it. I think we give that advice because we just, people literally don't know what to do because the people who aren't teaching you how to change your thought patterns have no idea how to help you essentially. And so we're just like, I don't know, maybe if you just pretend for a while, it'll start to feel true. That's not how it works. And I mean, I think if fake it till you make it worked, we wouldn't have like an epidemic of imposter syndrome, right? But you can talk to women at any stage of their career who've been faking it till they make it for like 20 years Mm. and still feels like they're faking it. It doesn't, you're just faking it. It doesn't do anything. And so it's like telling a lie a million times doesn't make it true. And so I think faking it till you making it means like pretending you're confident when you're not. What I am teaching is identifying all of the thoughts you have that are creating your lack of confidence 
and then learning how to change them bit by bit. So you are actually rewiring your brain to think new thoughts and create authentic confidence. So you're not faking it at all. You're actually just thinking new thoughts on purpose little bit by little bit. And you're, when you think a new thought, it creates a different emotion for you. Your current lack of self-confidence, your current insecurity is caused by your thoughts. So you have to change mm. your thoughts to create confidence. But to me, it's like the opposite. Faking it till you make it is just trying to like pretend you think you're amazing when you really think you're terrible. And what I teach is like, let's find a thought that's like just tells you that you're a tiny bit less terrible than you think you are and see how that feels. And then we're going to build on that much more concrete and like little step by little step. So what is the number one reason people come to you for help? What do you find that people come with a presenting problem that isn't the real problem? Or do you not even like to look at it as problems? Like how, how do people, what are they looking for when they come to you? I think people, I mean, most people find me through my podcast, it's called Unfuck Your Brain. And I would say that the vast majority of the people who are in the clutch, which is my feminist coaching community, were probably looking, they probably were searching on the podcast app for one of the following, confidence, anxiety, people-pleasing, um, sometimes feminism. But like, basically, I think, you know, women experience a lot of anxiety, guilt, and shame. They're socialized to do that. Like there's some human susceptibility to feeling those feelings. And then women are socialized in ways that make it impossible to avoid. And so I think that like women come to me with an, any variety of problems about what's going on in their lives, like in their work life or their personal life or their sex life or their parenting or their social life or their creative life, or it doesn't matter. But under, what's underlying it all is the ways that being socialized as a woman teaches you how to think about yourself and your worth and your value and your capabilities, your capacities, all of which are totally terrible <laughs> and keep you feeling terrible and really playing small in your life and exhausted and overwhelmed. Right. You said playing small. I like that. I like that. I mean, I don't like playing small, but yeah. I, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, how does learning to tell yourself a different story inside your head allow you to play bigger? I think that when we play small, sometimes we don't even know we're doing it. I think women are, first of all, socialized to always put other people's desires or opinions above their own. So a lot of women can't even admit to themselves what they want or what kind of life they want or what they want to do with their lives. So the first level is just actually uncovering what you do want to do. A lot of women think they don't know what they want to do, but what I've really found is that's not true. If you it's just covered with a lot of other thoughts. But if you like know how to shit, scoot those off, <laughs> like, yeah. clean them off, wipe it down, you can see what you want to do underneath. And then I think it's, you know, women are taught to care. We're taught that like everyone should like us. Everyone should approve of us, right? That's if, if anybody doesn't like us, something has gone terribly wrong. And the truth is, if you want to go after anything big in your life, whatever it is, there's no way that you're going to do that with everybody liking you and approving of you. And so like, being able to break the shackles of that kind of people-pleasing, validation-seeking behavior, which is not because women are shallow or silly. It's because they have been trained since birth to think that what matters is other people's opinions of them. So in, like, in order to play big or to go after something you want, you have to learn how to develop self-confidence that comes from inside, not from everybody in the world agreeing that you are good, which 
doesn't ever work. You never feel secure. It's always like, but they might change their mind at any minute. So I got to <laughs> right. monitor the situation all the time, right? You have to change your thought patterns to produce actual confidence in yourself. So the, the thought patterns that we're trying to change, um, do you find that in your clients, they've been there like since the beginning of their lives? Do you find yeah. that they've developed? Yeah. I mean, like I, a think childhood thing. I think of it as three layers. So there's evolutionary biology, which is like, you know, for our brains have evolved a certain way. All humans share some, or almost all of us share certain tendencies or leanings, right? And then there's your family kind of dynamic, early childhood stuff and history and like your normal life and your life experiences. I think those two get talked about a lot in like therapy and pop culture as being like what shape you. But for women, there's this additional layer of, well, for anybody really, but I just focus on women of the socialization you get that is specifically about being a woman. So there's the evolutionary biology and there's your family and all, but there's also all the messages you get from society all day, every day about what a woman should be like, what her value is, what her worth is, et cetera. And of course, if you are a woman of color or you are a woman of size or you're a woman living with a disability, there's like, you can have multiple layers of these, of socialization about, you know, essentially like all the things that are wrong with you <laughs> and, right. you know, why you should feel terrible about yourself. So, yeah, I mean, I think most of it is, you know, people, I mean, the studies show that, you know, children as young as two or three express ideas about like what gender means and, what are things? What are things for boys, and what are things for girls? And you know, display preference for certain male coded traits that are, you know, identified as being male in our society. And you see that with race too. Like young children will um, demonstrate like preference for a white doll over a black doll. Like all that stuff is socialized, so it starts really, really early. Right. Right. How do you train your clients to accept themselves? I mean, I like they do that. I'm training them. I'm like, yes, Pavlovian clicker. I'm you like, do. You, get a, you get a snack, you get a treat. Right. Um, but I mean, aren't we doing that? Like, let's be real. Well, the way that I teach is really like, I'm teaching you how to train yourself. Like I, you know, I think every woman in the world needs this work and I certainly cannot coach every woman in the world. And so, and I think coming from the feminist movement, you know, for me, this work is really like, how do I equip women to coach themselves, go out and take this work. Into right. The world. Train them. See, train them. I'm not tra like training. I said, <laughs> I think it's less. I just, I think to me, training is like, you're trying to get a certain outcome. I think that's like people's biggest misconception about life coaches is that a life coach like tells you what to do or gives you advice. Um, I have like no opinion. If you're, if you decide your life path is to like live in a monastery on a hill, that's great. And if you decide your life path is to be president, that's great. If you want to like stay at home with 12 kids, that's great. Whatever you want to do. I just, my goal is that women learn how to choose those things for themselves and feel good and solid about the reasons they're doing it and know that they're making that choice because they truly want to. We have a lot of superficial level of saying like, well, no, I'm doing this for me or I'm doing it because I want to, but like, you don't really have any idea what you want. So I think, anyway. Um, and I just teach them how to become aware. I mean, I teach people how to become aware of what they're thinking. Most of us have no idea how to identify what they want to believe instead. And then how to step by step, like train their brain to think a new thought. That really is the basis of it all. Right. And I love um, somewhere I said, you like 
to help women. <laughs> We're not training. Okay. Um, that you like to help women love every picture of themselves. I can't believe you were, you used to be a lawyer. It's just really <laughs> nothing about this conversation feels like I'm talking to a lawyer. <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm not a lawyer anymore. Now that was a joke. This definitely feels like I'm talking to a lawyer. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Like how do you, how do you help women, um, love every picture of themselves. I understand we're retraining thoughts ourselves and we're figuring that's out really how to- what it is. There isn't like another additional special magic thing. Every woman's brain is different. And so I think there are patterns that many of us have like people pleasing, right? Like, you know, which by which I mean like doing things you don't want to do because you're afraid that someone else will be upset with you or you try to like anticipate what other people want or validation seeking, meaning you like want other people to tell you that you're good enough or that you're pretty enough or that you're whatever enough, smart enough, right? Like trying to get that validation from outside of you. Yeah. But everybody's version, I mean, I'm just like, everybody's crazy is a little bit different. Like everybody's brain is a little bit different. And so that's why there's really no substitute for doing the work yourself, because it's like, you can list, like you can listen to all the podcasts I've ever done. You totally will gain from doing that. But on a, at a certain level, I'm surprised when I sit down and coach myself at like what comes out of my brain. Like, yeah, I yeah. think I know myself. And then I start writing out what I'm thinking. I'm like, well, okay, did not know that was in there. Right. Who knew, right? So it really, it's a matter of like, I prefer in writing, but like finding out what you're thinking, just doing a free write to see what's in your mind can guarantee you have no idea what you're actually thinking. <laughs> Like all people who come into the clutch are often shocked to find out like how self-critical they really are, or like how right. mean to themselves they are on a daily basis, because you have a subconscious that's thinking all the time and you're not aware of most of those thoughts. So when you learn how to pay attention to them, it's often quite surprising what's going on in there. And we all think we're logical and our brain is saying totally illogical things all the time right. that we're acting on without knowing it. It's like finding out what you're really thinking going really one thought at a time. Like, oh, turns out I have the subconscious thought that if anyone ever is upset with me, that means I'm not worthy as a human being and I have to change their mind. Okay, now I know I have that thought. That explains a lot of my behavior. Now, how am I going to change that? We're going to have to probably work on each part of that. Like, how am I going to work on it being okay if someone else has a different thought about me? Like, how am I going to work on, um, you know, feeling that urge to try to like communicate with them to change their behavior, their opinion, if I think they're upset and not acting on it, like you have to break it down into little steps, but it really is just learning to identify the thought, deciding mm -hmm. what you want to think instead, and then practicing so much. People just want to get, we're like all addicted to insight. It's very American. It's like so flashy and shiny and it like feels <laughs> so brilliant, you know? And you can like do it in an hour, but I mean, how many people have gone to therapy for years and been like, well, very aware of my pattern now haven't changed it in the least. It's still, I'm still just doing it because insight is not enough to change. You have to actually like do the boring part where you just say to yourself in your own brain 30 times a day, the thought that you're learning to believe. Right. And so when you say like, I'm, I'm going, like, if someone doesn't like pictures, pictures of themselves, that's because they've done the writing that says, oh my God, I hate the fucking way I look in all these pictures. Right. And so then you, you encourage them to, Hey, we're going to start to say, I love the way I look in all these pictures. Well, I usually start with like, <laughs> let's just start with something like, it's possible that I don't look as bad as I think in these photos. Like most yeah, people right. can't jump, you know, like that's why positive thinking. And even I think sometimes coaching gets a bad rap or affirmations is that 
people are trying to go from, I hate the way I look in all these pictures to like, I could be a model. Like you don't believe that and that's too far. So I really, I'm a big believer in like, if your thought is my stomach is disgusting, then a thought you should be practicing is not, I could be a bikini model, but like, this is a human stomach. It's just like more factual. Can't Mm. really argue with it. It still kind of takes down that negative tone and feeling. So yeah, but I mean, I think like, for some people, journaling is an effective tool, but just like kind of talk therapy or a lot of different things, like if you are venting to your friends, if you're just repeating your thoughts out loud or on paper a lot without actually intervening to change them, you're actually just making them stronger. Like you're just, right. just running that neural network one more time. Like, right, we know that like neurons that fire together, wire together. It's like practicing a habit. It's like, if you were like, I want to stop smoking. So what I do is I smoke while I think about how I want to stop smoking. You're like, you're actually just making the smoking habit every time right. a little bit more ingrained. Yeah. And part of what, like I do tracking um, dialogue, inner dialogue with my clients too. And, and they're like, oh, I just, I write this down and then I feel like I hate so-and-so even more. And I feel angrier. I'm like, that's why we have to talk it back because right. you can't just like sit in the sludge and be like, Right. Well, I heard that because right. and that's why right. um, I feel like I did therapy for a year. And at the end of like my final session, I was like, oh my God, well, all I do is like point back to who's to blame mm-hmm. <laughs> and like get madder at, but I have a full understanding of where this all came from, but what now? And that was my frustration yeah. with, and therapy was great. I mean, it has its purpose. Right. But there is a time where you're like, I got to take some action. And, and so that's where coaching comes in. And so that's, that's the, the magic of coaches, I think, versus therapists. Yeah. And not versus that's a bad word. I think of it as like, there's great therapists and terrible therapists. There's great coaches and terrible coaches, you know, like it's sort of like all a big spectrum and there's overlap in some ways. And there's some things that like, I don't, you know, you should have a therapist for or a psychologist or a psychiatrist, right? And then there's some things that they aren't going to do. But I do think like even the forms of, I went to traditional talk therapy for a long time. And for me, much like a lot of my clients, it was totally helpful in gaining insight, but then there wasn't some kind of plan to actually change the patterns. And some therapists will have that plan and, you know, and some won't like, I'm sort of a like big tent, like there's a lot of different ways of trying to figure out how to be a human, <laughs> like how to human more skillfully and with less suffering. And, you know, for some people like religion does it. And for some people, meditation does it. For some people, therapy is amazing. And like, for me, I had tried all the things it felt like, but for me, this kind of coaching and like having a way to intervene directly in my thought pattern was really what I needed. So I'm very yeah. verbal based. I'm very logic-based. I like live in my brain a lot. I've definitely learned to be more in my body through coaching. You need both. But yeah, I think a lot of my clients like you have been to therapy and been like, okay, that was helpful. Now I see my pattern, but like, what, are we just gonna watch me do it again? Like what's that? Just going to come back and report that once again, I got super angry and screamed at my kids and didn't feel like I could control myself. And then afterwards I felt shame. I can now identify that cycle, but like, what's the, yeah, go me. Yeah. (laughs) Well, what is the one piece, like, so you're stranded on an island and the only way to get off is to give one piece of advice. I know you okay. said you don't give advice, but yeah. one piece, one, one thing, yeah. one teaching to bestow upon the world that has saved you, per- perhaps like, you know, the saving mm-hmm. thing for you. What, what is the thing that has really helped you that you would like to leave this podcast mm-hmm. with? 
You, mm, you can have one and <laughs> 1.75. Well, I guess here, here's what I'll say. You can pick which one you want. I can tell you the one that I learned from someone else, or I can tell you the one that I think has become so clear to me in my own work. Okay. Give me two. <laughs> Excellent so, case counselor. Move the one I learned, well, it's sort of like, it's true. If I could just tell everybody one thing, it would be this thing that I didn't make up. And I learned from somebody else, which is your thoughts cause your feelings. Like I just didn't, Nobody told me that till I was like 33. Like I just, you know, and most people don't know that. We really think things outside of us cause our feelings. And so when a feeling happens, there's just kind of like nothing to be done. And it is a truth and that whatever we are thinking is true. And so we just have to keep thinking it, even if it feels terrible and is like making us act in ways we don't like, <laughs> right? And so for me, like, you know, everything I've developed in my own work is still based on that. And the, you know, learning that you actually can have some say in how you think and feel and that that's what like produces your behavior. And so you are not just kind of a victim to how you feel or what random thoughts go through your head or how you were raised. Like that to me was just like being set free, right? Like being liberated. Yeah. Um, in terms of like what I think has, what I have worked on or in like my body of work, which has this more feminist slant than, you know, kind of what I learned. I think it's that um, we really, you know, coming from a feminist background where we did a lot of work on, you know, as a lawyer, like you like policy and politics and like, we gotta get women elected or change the family leave policy or we gotta get reproductive rights acts, like all the political structural stuff. We are never going to be free unless we liberate ourselves mentally and emotionally as well. Like all of the political structural work in the world, which I still think is very important and I did for a long time myself, is not gonna solve the problem. Because if we woke up overnight and all the institutions were different, but we still had these brains that had been socialized by the old ones, it wouldn't help. I right. mean, it would help a little, but it wouldn't get us where we wanna go. So I think that to me is like, for women who are afraid that, you know, learning, spending time and energy and money, getting coached, learning to coach themselves, working on themselves, whatever that is, like learning to be more free is somehow, self-indulgent or selfish or first of all that's just socialization you don't hear a lot of men being like the my interest that i spend a lot of money and time on is so self-indulgent that's the kind of thing we teach women to think right and your mental health is not an indulgence but also even if you want if you want to change anything in the world you have to learn how to do this work on your own mind too because any change we want to see in the world has to start in our brains and we can only imagine as big as we are able to think and feel for ourselves and when we have been socialized in the way that we have, we're not free in our minds. We can't create freedom outside of us. Mm. Oh, that's good. We could talk like another hour on that. I topic. know. I mean, that's a whole, <laughs> whole like, other mm -hmm, thing. Yeah, mm -hmm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cara, this was great. Tell everyone where to find your podcast, where to find you. And yeah. Yeah. You can find, find my you. podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast or at unfuckyourbrain.com. Um, yeah. Just that's the place to check me out. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on this episode of The Same 24 Hours. Remember to rate, review, and share this podcast. It really matters. I appreciate it. See you next time.